appreciate it. So today we're going to wrap up our series, Advent. Uh, we've been in an Advent series for four weeks now. And, and the first two weeks, Pastor Bubba, my pastor, was here and man, did a great job in talking about a couple of things. And, and we talked about his first message was don't miss Christmas. And it was about not missing out what Christmas is really about. Don't let Christmas go by and miss out on it. And then the second message was um, hope has come. And he talked about hope and how this world today needs hope more than ever. And then last weekend, I took over the series and we talked about peace. And I believe we had an incredible time talking about peace last week. And, and hopefully you experienced peace at another level this week as you walked out that message from last week. And so today I want to talk to you about joy. How many of you would say I could use a little joy? Just show me your hands real quick. Come on, let me see it. All right, good. It's the right message at the right time. I'll, I'll have, if you wouldn't have raised your hands, I'd have had to struggle to change my message real quick. But um, by the way, you can, you can listen to all of our messages if you go to oscconnect.com. Uh, you can go to sermon series and you can download uh, and listen to all of our, our podcasts, our old messages and things like that. So if you weren't here um, and you missed last week's message, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to it. If you tried to get on it this week, it was, it was kind of late getting online. But it is online now. So uh, thank you for that. And you can go check that out. Amen. So we're in Christmas. And, and I just want to get a little honest with you this morning. It's getting to where I'm not liking Christmas anymore. Can I just be real? I don't like what Christmas is becoming. Amen. It's, it's just too commercialized. I mean, it's, it's all about gifts. It's all about it's about giving, but it's kind of like people are consumed with trying to outgive one another. And, and then this whole Black Friday thing, honestly, Black Friday just, it gets under my skin. I mean, any of you watch the videos or maybe you were there, don't raise your hand if you were there, but, but maybe you watch the videos and I saw a few of you on the video throwing punches, but, uh, you watch the videos. I, I don't, I don't do Black Friday. I, I just, we, we, we shop all year, but People are nuts. <laughs> running up in the store, running over an old lady to get a flat screen TV. If the older generation could come back, man, they'd slap the mess out of all of us. That's disrespected. But that's what Christmas has become. It's become about getting a good deal. It's become about presents and what I can get my kids and what I can't afford. It's how many credit cards can I max out this year and hopefully get paid off before next year, which, by the way, never happens. And it, it's become about impressing people. And we've come so far from what it's supposed to be. You know, there was an original Black Friday. Long time ago, there was an original Black Friday. It was the Friday that Jesus hung on a cross and he died for our sins. And there was, there was some sad people around. There were some people that thought they did the right thing by hanging him and crucifying him. But there were those that, that had time and experience with him that understood that he was the Messiah. And they were saddened in their hearts. And I believe the Saturday after that original Good Black Friday was, was a day of reflection and mourning. That people were like, man, Jesus is gone. But here's the good thing about a Black Friday is there's always a Sunday after a Black Friday. And that first original Sunday after the Black Friday, I believe, was a day of rejoicing. Listen to this. It was a day of surprises. 
It was a day of unexpected gifts. Imagine the moment. Jesus comes out of the grave and he starts appearing to his people. I mean, come on, you can go to Black Friday at Walmart or anywhere you want and get the biggest screen TV you ever want to get. It don't mean nothing like when Jesus came out of the grave. Right? Think about Mary and how, what her response was. And then the disciples. And in that moment, we talked about last week how Peter got called back into the family. What unexpected gifts. So are, are, is Christmas supposed to have gifts? Yes, it's supposed to have gifts. But it's not about the gifts. Amen? I just want a church that just wants to go back to what Christmas is all about. It's celebrating the birth of Jesus. That's, that's all it's about. Celebrating the birth of Jesus. Those people that day got gifts that they didn't even fully understand. Some of them were just excited because they got Jesus back. Not even realizing what was wrapped up in Jesus when he came back. And it took him a little bit of time after that to start realizing what all Jesus brought back when he came back from the grave. One of the things he brought back was joy. And I believe that God's people need to have joy. I'm tired of seeing sour Christians. Looking like an old sour candy. Can't get a smile out of them for nothing. But yet they're going to tell somebody what they're doing wrong. Are you hearing me? I'm ready for a church that's that's got joy inside. Let me show you something in Luke. I want to show you what happens when Jesus comes into our presence. Go me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 39. We'll start reading. It says, it says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth, watch this, was filled with the Holy Spirit. At the sound of Mary's voice, Elizabeth's baby jumped in his mother's womb. And not only that, his mother was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a spiritual moment with a physical consequence. With a physical reaction. You see, when Jesus walks in the room, joy comes with him. I believe if you're a born-again Christian, that joy needs to be on your face. That joy needs to be in your heart. That joy needs to be your reputation. Joy doesn't need to be an expectation. Joy needs to be your reputation. Come on, somebody. People need to say, man, what got into you? You still sipping on the, the eggnog from Christmas? said, no, man, that ran out that night. I wasn't leaving none left. (laughs) What you got, man? People need to want what you got. Amen? Amen? They need to want that. What's what's the deal with those people? 
They need to come up to you privately and say, man, what happened to you? And you go, well, is this a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> right? Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary. It wasn't, yay. <laughs> now listen to me. The Savior of the world walked in. Her baby jumped. It wasn't, hey, woohoo. I mean, think about that. Some of you moms get more excited about that when your baby kicks for the first time. After the hundredth time, it gets old. So you tell me. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, my baby, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. John the Baptist in the, in the infant form. God, you got to get this. In his infancy, he realized his need for joy. In his infancy, he got joy. How old are you? That hurt, Pastor. He jumped for joy. Joy, number one, joy is found in the presence of Jesus. You know, you can get momentary joy. I bet you the person that grabbed that big screen TV and beat up all them old ladies to get to it and got out the store with it had some joy for a minute. Probably 30 days till the credit card bill came in. And joy left the building. You see, the earth, the earth and the natural things of this world will give you some joy. But let me tell you something. It's not genuine. And it's not long-lasting joy. It's the joy that you got to go buy something else in a little while to keep getting that joy again. And it's a vicious cycle you get on that i got to buy things and i got to do things. And i got to be with people to get this kind of joy when you, it's not intended to be that way. The joy that Jesus brings is an everlasting joy. It's the kind of joy you don't have to work for it. You just got to be with it. Come on, somebody. You just got to be in it. Joy is found in the presence of Jesus. And I believe that as Christians, if we'll stay in the presence of Jesus. And listen, I don't want that to be a hooky, spooky kind of a thing. Being in the presence of Jesus is a real thing. You may be experiencing something this morning. I just want to tell you that that's just the presence of Jesus this morning. Enjoy it. I do. But being in the presence of Jesus is just like being in a relationship with somebody else. You just stay close to them. It's really like a marriage. I love my wife. Come on, baby. You look good today. Just had a little procedure done the other day. Oh, healthy and looking good, feeling better. Thank you guys for praying for her. You see, I like her. And most of the time she likes me. I like being with her. You follow me? I love it when I'm in her presence. Are you getting this? And I love it when we're close. You seeing this? Being in the presence of Jesus is this right here. It's just being in the presence of Jesus. Of Jesus. Thank you, baby. 
There's nothing mystical about it. It doesn't have to be a religious term. I'm sorry that somebody abused it to you or for you, but it's not religious. It's not hooky spooky. It's just a real thing. Being in the presence of Jesus. That's where your joy is found. That's what makes you want to leap in life. That's what puts a smile on your face and a glow in your eyes. I love it when new people come to church and they, and they join the church and they, they start to build community with the other believers and God starts working in them. Because when they walk in, they look half dead. But after about six months or so, you start to see some life. I'm going to hide a camera at the front door. Every Sunday, just snap a picture of somebody when they walk in and then about six months down the road, say, you see what you look like when you walked in here? And we loved you then. And we really love you now. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Being in the presence of Jesus is something I'm still discovering. My life's been honestly just kind of like a washboard. It's kind of been in the presence and out the presence and in the presence and out the presence. And my cry has been lately, Lord, I want to stay. Lord, how do I stay? How do I stay in your presence? How do I, I don't want to leave anymore. You follow me? I mean, I don't go work out of town because I don't want to leave my wife. It's not a trust issue. It's a lust issue. I lust after my wife. If you don't, then you need to check yourself. Sorry, she looks good. I love her. But I don't want to be outside of his presence. I don't want to lose that moment. I want to know that I know that I know that I know that I'm with him. I've had the best two weeks of my life the last couple of weeks. And and I I was like, God, what's changed? And the only thing that really changed is that I just gave up. I gave up with my own intentions. I gave up with my own plans. I gave up with my own ambitions. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of trying to figure out what to do. I'm tired of trying to make everything happen. I'm tired of trying to be in your presence. And that I got to do something to do that. And I just, I quit. Now I'm supposed to just quit. And something happened. I got out the way. And I had more God encounters this week than I've ever had. Had more moments with Jesus just leading me, just quiet. You know, sometimes we got to learn to shut up and be still. Look at your neighbor and say, shut up and be still. You've been wanting to say that all year. I'm glad you finally got your chance. But here's the cool thing is that when you're in the presence of Jesus, nothing matters like it used to matter. Come on, you got to get this. When you're in the presence of Jesus, your perspective changes. Why? Because you're with the creator of the world. Come on. When you're with the boss man, you see things different. Amen? So joy is found in the presence and only in the presence of Jesus. Number two, presence is found in obedience. Go with me to John chapter 15. And I know today obedience is everybody's favorite word. I personally love the word myself. Obedience. I just love the word myself when I'm talking to my kids. I love obedience for other people. I don't love it for myself. (laughs) Is that okay? 
<laughs> it's not. Watch this. And I want you to get I want you to get the message in this in this story. Jesus is speaking. John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. It says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in Jesus. Right? So apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. You have to remain in him. And listen, God is going to prune you. You know what that means? That means life is still going to be tough. Bad things are still going to happen to you. So what? Let God prune you. If you're producing fruit in one area, he's going to come and he's going to prune away the little things that you don't need so that you can produce more. You see, God wants you to produce more. Don't ever be satisfied with your fruit. Be content with your life, but don't be satisfied with your fruit. Because he wants you to produce more fruit. In fact, the Bible says that there's no limitations against how much fruit you can produce. I just wish that would be the same. I just wish that would be true about the speed limit, that there's no limitation. Right? But you'd still have people that drive slow. So remain in him is what he's saying. He said, don't get away from me. Don't, don't depart from me. Watch this verse 5. He says, yes, I am the vine, talking about Jesus, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He says it again. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. I don't want to burn. I don't want to burn. Anybody came to church this morning thinking, you know what, I need to burn. I don't want to burn. I want to stay connected to Jesus. And I want fruit to continually, to continually be produced in my life. That means that I, know I want to get better and better. Because the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. I think the world needs more of that. I think I need more of that. I know I need more of that. Thought I'd never say this, but I want to be fruity. Someone, don't you dare say, well, you already are. You'd hurt my feelings and I'd get offended. Verse 7, it says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Watch this. You are my true disciples when you produce much fruit. Lost my spot. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So when you put on fruit, your fruit gives glory to God. God gets glory when you get fruit. You know why? Because people know you. They know there ain't a good bone in your body. They've been telling you that your whole life, right? And they know that apart from God, somehow you can't produce anything good.
God gets glory when we give fruit. This brings great glory to the Father. Watch this, verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Anybody want some overflowing joy this morning? Jesus is saying, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. It didn't say that he's going to love you more. Watch this. Come here, Virginia. Put your thing down. This is my oldest one. So when Virginia obeys her daddy's commands, she remains in his love. This is good. When you listen to me, you remain in my love. When you don't listen to me, you go your own direction and you separate yourself from my love. I didn't take anything away. Watch this. When you disobey, you stray. When she decides to not listen to what I'm saying, she's choosing to walk away from my love. Are you getting this? This is, this is breaking down some religious beliefs this morning. I don't love her more just because she stays right here. I've already made my mind up on how much I love her. I've nailed that on the cross. I love you this much. It's a done deal. I can't love you any more than I already love you. It's your choice of whether or not you're going to stay in this love. Uh, it puts pressure on you now, doesn't it? No more pressure on God. It's not God. He already did his part. He already chose to love you. He already nailed love to the cross. And his love will remain and it's always there. It's whether or not you want to stay or stray. Come on, you getting this? Therefore, that means you can have as much love as you want. You can stay here as long as you want. She don't ever have to leave. Well, she's going to have to move out, but she don't ever have to leave. I got a feeling this one's going to move out with a, a foot on her butt. Thank you, baby. Are you getting this? Are you seeing this? It's my decision whether or not I remain in the love of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus. It's my decision. It's not anybody else's. He didn't, he didn't write a disclaimer in here that says, well, if something bad happens to you, then you don't have to stay anymore. He didn't give you that disclaimer. He's fully aware that something bad is going to happen to you. But your healing, your deliverance, everything that you need is found when he's got his arm wrapped around you and you remain in his love. I'm at the right church. It's your decision. It's not his. His arms stay wide open. The door to his house is always unlocked. Your seat at the table has not been removed. And as long as you stay connected to Jesus, you're going to produce fruit. And when bad things happen in your life, you just need to think of it like, well, he's pruning me. Well, I'm getting to know him better. Well, I'm going to see him show up this time. I wonder what I'm going to learn this time. Come on, somebody. It's not, oh, no, I did something wrong. You see, that's condemnation. Just because bad things happen to you doesn't necessarily mean that you did something wrong. 
When God wants to correct you, he's going to convict you, right? That's what the Bible says. He's going to convict you. He's going to speak to you. Most people believe that when he speaks to you the first time, it's a whisper. If you don't listen long enough, it's louder. And if you continue not to listen, one day he's going to shout it from the rooftops. And you're going to be exposed and you're going to be embarrassed. But he's going to deal with you very graciously. Come on, somebody. You with me? So he says, I have told you these things. In other words, I said all that to say that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. In obedience. Obedience produces presence, which produces joy. Come on, somebody. That's just simple right there. That's clear as that's clear as day. I mean, it's just simple. You just simply have to listen to God. Are you going to have to die to yourself? Yes, daily. Pastor, do you still die to yourself? Daily. Get tired of killing myself sometimes. Right? I want the joy that overflows. And I've learned in my life, I've lived long enough. I've learned that when I listen to God, things go well. When I don't listen to God, things seem like hell. Can I just say that in church? That pastor said hell in church? Well, it's a real thing. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going to do what Christ has done. You're going to listen to your father. That's where joy is found. You see, we want joy in a, in, a, in a package all wrapped up with a bow on it. And in a sense, you got it that way. The question is, are you going to keep it and are you going to stay with it? Amen? So far, so good? Hmm. I've had people tell me before that they say, Pastor, I don't, I don't feel God. I don't sense God. And from my own experience, I ask the question, well, what are you doing or not doing that he's told you to do? And have you done the last thing he told you to do? Are you getting this? <laughs> you see, when God tells you to do something, you don't do it. He don't move on, though. He stays right there. He goes, Okay. And then you don't feel him anymore because you've left his love. And then you get lonesome and empty and lonely and you go, man, where's God? Waiting right here. Waiting for you to do the last thing he told you to do. I still want to try that with my kids. You know what I'm saying? It's like take the garbage out. And they don't take the garbage out. I'm standing. But you know what happens. They don't pay attention. Same thing that happens to us. So number three, my last point, the struggle is common to all men. The struggle is real, y'all. It's real. It really is real. It's a constant battle to remain in Christ. Are you hearing me? There's, there's a part that you have to own on remaining in Christ. 
And it's your responsibility. You've heard me say this before, that you're as close to God as you want to be. As you want to be. Not as close as he wants you to be because he wants you right there. But you're as close as you want to be. Go with me to Psalms chapter 30. I love the Psalms and I encourage you to read the Psalms because I had this great thought as I was preparing for this message that when I read Psalms, I read about David's relationship with God. And what I find fascinating is that David was so aware of his relationship with God that he could take it from his brain and put it on paper. Are you paying that close of attention to your relationship with God? That you could take it from your mind and put it on a paper. Hmm. Okay, that was good. But maybe it was just good for me. So Psalms 30, watch this. Watch what David says. I want you to see the struggle in this. Okay, I want you to hear the words and see the struggle. Verse 1, it says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cry to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O oh Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Are you hearing that? Are you feeling what he's saying? Rejoice. He's going to tell everybody, rejoice for God is good. He is so good. And that's where he was in his life. Is that it's so good. My relationship is so good. We're so close. I'm so close to God. It brings this joy up inside of me. You with me? And then you, you're like you're on fire for God. Watch the next verse. Verse 8. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, what will you gain if I die? If I sink into the grave, can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. In a moment, David goes from rejoicing to begging, to crying out. He goes from fullness to desperation. Isn't that how the Christian life is? Isn't that how it seems to you that, that there's those days where, man, you'll take hell on with a water pistol. But then there's days where you feel like you belong there. It's real. It's real. It's a constant battle. You've got a full-time enemy trying to take you away from the presence of God. He don't want you to have any joy. He wants you to look like a sour candy. Right? And you got other people that get jealous of you. And they don't want you to have any joy either. Because they don't like that you became a Christian. They don't like that you gave your life to Jesus. They don't like that you give 10% to the church. Because now they can't get it. You really find out a lot about people when you cut them off. Easy now. Take care of that after church. <laughs> so David goes from rejoicing to desperation in a moment. Watch this. Verse 11. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. That I might sing praises to you and not be silent. 
Oh, Lord, my God, I give you thanks forever. We're all one decision away from stupid. Right? I'm one bad decision away from wrecking this whole thing. The indicator that God gives me is joy and peace. Last week I said, if you want to know where you don't have peace in your life, I mean, if you want to know where you don't trust God, just look at where you don't have peace in your life. In that area of your life that you don't have peace, it's because you don't trust. So the same thing applies today. Look for the areas of your life that have no joy. And if you have no joy in those areas, then those areas aren't in the presence of God. Maybe it's your whole life. Maybe you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I'm just not excited to be a Christian anymore. Okay. It's not the end of the world. Emotions come and emotions go. Feelings come and feelings go. Maybe you just need to change your perspective. Just because you don't feel like you have joy doesn't mean that it doesn't belong to you. Maybe you're here today and life's treated you rough, man. Maybe you've just recently lost a loved one. Maybe something bad happened to you. You know what, Pastor? I just, I don't like the holidays because I just, I feel lonely. I feel desperate. I don't know where you're at today, but I do know this, that joy belongs to you. It's yours and there's no limitations to it. And if you'll realize that and you'll stand on that promise that that Jesus brings you joy, then you're not going to let anybody steal it from you. You're not going to let some stupid circumstance steal it from you. You're not going to let some event steal it from you. You're not even going to let the lack of something steal your joy. You know, I realized something this Christmas. I don't have to give a present to everybody. I don't. So far, my family and I have had the greatest Christmas ever. We've given to two people. And it was perfect. He showed us what to give and when to give it and how to give it. And we did it. And it was perfect. You know what? My heart is satisfied. I'm full of joy because the gift that God gave through me to that person did something in their life. And I'm free from condemnation. If I didn't buy you a present, I still love you. Amen? I still love you. You didn't buy me one either. But you know what? Something needs to rise up inside of us that says, you know what? Joy is mine. And I'm I'm tired of letting things steal it. I'm tired of the ups and downs. I'm tired of the ebb and flow. I'm tired of... One day feeling like I'm on top of the mountain. The next day feeling like I'm rolling down it. I'm tired of it. Anybody like that this morning? Can I just see your hands? Am I preaching the right message? You feel like that? You sense that too? Tired of it. Then get tired of things and people and events and occurrences stealing your joy. Don't let it go. Not my problem. God's in control. Right? God's in control. I just believe some of you here this morning, you just, you feel like you've been long away from Jesus. 
feel like there's a lot of distance between you and him. Cheryl and I can get away from the kids. We like to get away from the kids. <laughs> We're pretty strategic about getting away from the kids. We'll hijack. We'll, we'll sneak them in a minute. They'll come home from school and their bags will be packed. You're like, what's going on? You go on so-and-so's house. <laughs> and we're good with that for two days. And after two days, we can have all the fun her and I can ever have in two days. And even have a third day planned. But at the second day, something happens. And this emptiness comes. And we go, man, I wonder what the kids are doing. I wonder who Ethan's giving fits to. (laughs) I wonder what kind of craft thing Anna's doing. And you start missing them. All we got to do is go get them. All we got to do is come back. Amen? I want to leave you with this one statement. The worship team can come up. I'm going to give you this one statement. I believe... I thought you was already up, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) I believe that a great sign of maturity is shown by how quickly you come back into the presence of God. I'm going to say it again. I believe you're really mature when you know how that when you get away, you know exactly how to get back and how quick it takes you to get back. Amen? Amen? says a lot about your experience with God. says a lot about your, your relationship with God. People that fall or stumble or things break out in their lives and they freak out. I'm just going to say this. I look at them, not judgmentally, but I just go, okay, that's where they're at. That's where they're at in their maturity with Christ. We talked about that last week, how the disciples freaked out in the boat. And then later on, not, not long after that, Jesus, uh, Peter was in prison sleeping just like, pe- like, like Jesus was. Remember that? Maturity is how quickly you come back. And how quickly you you regain that joy. You regain the things that belong to you. Amen? Man, I love you. I just want you to have fun this holiday season, this, this Christmas season. I just want you to have a blast. I don't want you to worry about impressing people. Listen to me. God's already impressed with you. Amen? I love church. Those kids were funny, huh? Some of them were (sighs) yawning. Some of them were super exuberant and hyper about the whole thing. Some of them didn't want to be there. It's a lot like us, isn't it? I realized this week I don't know how to rejoice. This is just, I'm just going to be real with you for a minute. I don't know how to rejoice. God has given me everything I've ever wanted. And more. And I had a special gift this weekend that someone gave me. And it's something that's been just a deep desire in my heart. And they just gave it to me. And man, it, was, it just, it came out so much better than I expected. And, and I felt something inside of me want to just break out into dance. But then there was this thing about me that said, no, you can't do that. That's weird. 
And I, I, be, I just, can I just be honest this morning? You might think, well, I ain't ever come back to this church. This dude's whack. It's true, I am. Jesus is slowly putting me back together. I just, I want to have the freedom to rejoice. Listen, back in my wild days, man, I could rejoice. Couple beers, whoo, I was the loudest one in the room. What changed? I said, the beer. <laughs> The Holy Spirit spoke of as the wine. Sometimes I look at us as a church when the worship team's playing their guts out up there trying to lead you in the worship. And some of you are just there like, that's what I do. I sit in the back and I watch you. And I gain a perspective of where the church is. And I'll be honest with you, one of my goals this year is to, is to become a rejoicing church. And it's going to start with me. As I learn to rejoice and celebrate the things that God does. And even when he doesn't do anything. Just because of who he is, I learn to rejoice. I learn to get excited. I learn to be happy. Not fake, but just genuine from the bottom of my heart. So if I start acting a little weird, get used to it. Amen? But I want us to be able to rejoice because let me tell you something. We're coming into some times. There's not going to be much rejoicing. There's not right now. People losing jobs left and right. All kind of things happening. Crime rate, all this stuff's going on. Somebody needs to rejoice. In the midst of all this negativity, somebody needs to learn to celebrate. And I believe it starts in the small things. The small little victories in life. We can learn to celebrate and rejoice and have joy in our hearts. Amen? Well, you got that look on your face like, Pastor, I thought you finished five minutes ago. I love you. I want to pray for you this morning. And honestly, I'm going to open up the front. Turn the lights down a little bit, guys. Worship team's going to sing a song. And if you need prayer this morning, I just want to pray for you. And so stand up with me this morning. You say, if you're here today and you know, you know what, Pastor, I hadn't had joy in a long time. I'm just going to believe that God's, God's got joy for you today. If you want that or you need that and you're saying, you know what, I've been missing out. A lot of things have happened in my life, Pastor. I've become distracted and I don't have much joy. If that's you this morning, you want prayer, would you just come forward as the team begins to sing? Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We thank you for what you've given us. Lord, we thank you that Christmas is about Christ and his gift to us. Lord, we bless you this morning. Father, for those that are lonely today, those that are empty inside, and those that don't have much joy, I just pray right now, just a spirit of joy would just be released over this praise right now. And Lord, that, that everlasting, overflowing joy would come into this building this morning. Lord, whatever it is that's getting in the way, if it's a distraction, if it's a circumstance or an event or a relationship, Father, I just cast those things aside, and I just pray, Lord, you just release your joy over this place. We love you, and we bless you, and we thank you, Lord. Well, church, just begin to thank him. A joyful heart starts with gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I can't hear you. Come on, thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Come on, keep going. Thank you, Jesus.
Sometimes you've got to press in when you don't feel like it. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Think about this year and how he's shown up this year and what he's done this year. Come on, I can't hear you. Come on, rejoice a little bit with me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for 2015. Lord, thank you for everything that happened, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord.